Welcome back to The Author Biz. I'm Stephen Campbell, and this is the show where we deliver the information you need to become the CEO of your author business. In today's show, we're taking a really deep dive into using data to improve the sales of your books. Our guest is USA Today bestselling author Michelle Spiva. In addition to her work as an author, Michelle is also a counselor, a writing coach, and based on my conversations with her, an extreme data geek. We talk briefly about her work as an author and then get into the types of data authors can use to increase the sales of their books. We discuss things like avoiding the fear of data, learning from the winners, Michelle's version of survivor bias, revenue management, push versus pull marketing, and all with lots of examples that will help us to put Michelle's ideas into action. We get pretty deep into the subject of data analytics, and she shares some of the tools she uses to help her clients sell more books. Michelle and I met at 20 Books Vegas, and this is the first of several in-person interviews I recorded at the conference. I've got to say that recording in person is a, a revelation to me. I've done a lot of Skype interviews where I can see the other person while I'm talking to them, but actually being in the room with the guest while you're talking with them makes it so much easier uh, to get a sense for where they want to go and how the interview's going. And I don't know, it, it just... It was, it was wonderful. I hope that I can do more of these in the future. It's uh, a really a great way to do interviews. One of the problems that I had, and you'll hear it in this interview, I, I hope it's not in all the other ones, is my hands tend to flail when I'm talking. And the mic stand that I use has a spring in it. So there's one instance that I could not edit out where I bang into something and there's this loud boing noise. So when you hear it, you'll know what that is. Another great thing about being with the guest when you're doing the interview is that you can get a picture with the guest, which makes it easier to find the image to use for the show notes. Uh, speaking of show notes, Michelle mentioned some tools during the interview, and if you don't catch the names or the links, you'll be able to find them on the AuthorBiz website, which is theauthorbiz.com. All right, let's get this one started. It begins with a little bit of blush-worthy praise from Michelle, who's a longtime listener of the show. Then we spend a few minutes talking about her career. And after we get about seven minutes into the interview, we toss ourselves off the high dive into the wonderful world of data analytics. Thank you so much, Steve, for having me here. I am really stoked and a little bit of a bit of a fangirl of yours. And so thank you, and. Steve Campbell, oh my gosh. <laughs> That's crazy. This is, this is crazy because you do podcasts and you sit in your little office and you talk to people on Skype and you know people are listening because you see the downloads happening. But when you come to an event like this and people come up to you or you're introduced to people and they say, oh my God, I know you. I listen to your podcast. It is crazy. Well, I am in the flesh saying, oh my God, it's Steve <laughs> Campbell. <laughs> We were introduced at a party uh, two nights ago. Yes. And someone said, oh, you need to talk to Michelle. She is a, she's a data person and you like data. You guys should talk. And so we mm -hmm. talked for like five minutes and it's like, oh, I've got to have you on the show. This is going to be awesome. <laughs> and you do a lot of things. So you're an author. You're a data person. You coach. teach people. <laughs> you coach people through like getting the writing done, things yes. like that. And we're, we're going to focus on a variety of things. 
Um, but tell us what you write first. Oh, okay. Well, I am blessed to be an independent publishing author. I've published, um, well, I still have published uh, 33 books. Get out. Yes. Yes. I'm, I'm thankful for that. Um, and my route here was very circuitous. This is a second career for me. And I am self-taught, which still amazes me that I am able to pay my grown people's bills <laughs> <laughs> on my writing royalties. Um, and so I'm happy to say uh, I write, uh, my major pen name is for science fiction, fantasy, paranormal romance under Michael Daniels. And that's spelled M-Y-C-H-A-L Daniels. And I am a USA Today bestselling author. Oh, that is that is awesome. I've got to ask you about the name because there's in... <laughs> In, in the romance world, I hear male authors who write with androgynous names get a lot of flack for doing that because you're trying to trick people. But some, for some reason or other, it seems to be okay if women do it. It seems like that's kind of what you're doing here. It is. And you know what? I, it's a, my little diabolical design. Because when you're writing in fantasy, and, and when I say fantasy, I'm not talking about high fantasy. I'm talking about just the magical uh, side of it mixed with science fiction and technology and those types of things, I wanted it to be kind of androgynous. And so I actually took that name from the Bible. Um, the first wife of David, her okay. name was Michael, and it was spelled that way. Okay. So right. I have some people that catch on that it's the female rendering, um, the Hebrew rendering. So it's Michael, if you, uh-huh. you know pronounce it that way, and I'm probably butchering that. But still, um, they get it. But a lot of people like, Michael, I'm going to go read Michael. And so it's not that I'm trying to trick, uh-huh. but I have quite a few guys. It's that read me, and it's they're marketing. like, "Oh, I can deal with the few sex things. Oh, it's, it's it's cool, you know, because I love the adventure, um, the what ifs, and all of that." And so, it really has been good to me. And when we were introduced the other night, you you said, "Oh, I write this, this, this contemporary romance," and I forget what the next line is, and it was something else. And I'm like, "Is that code?" <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I was hoping you were going to forget that. <laughs> Darn it. Okay, so yes, I was trying to be on the sly. And of course, Stephen, with his acute hearing, <laughs> he caught. And what is the, and something else. And so I, I cut my teeth on writing erotica when I first got into it. I was mm-hmm. um, in a, uh, a post-grad um, psychology program, and we were full-time, um, and the rule was you couldn't work because if you got a stipend and you were employed by the university as a part of this program, you needed to be available. And that program was set up for little kids. It wasn't set up for people with grown people's bills. Mm-hmm. And so we, I, we were trying to figure out ways we could do this. And so I, <sighs> confession time, I'm going to just pretend like you're my clergyman, <laughs> and I'm going to say that what I started doing was taking the texts that I was already sending my boyfriend, and I put them into <laughs> a oh format. You know, you have to be so quick to pull away from the microphone <laughs> when you laugh like that, but oh my, that is classic. And so that is, I mean, confession is good for the soul. I'm going to absolve myself of that, but that is how I got started. And so they were shorts. And they were horrific. I was all over the place. I couldn't pick a genre. Uh Head hop who? I mean, I just, it was horrible. So Mm -hmm. um, even with that, 
I was able to start making an income. Nobody, mm-hmm. see, the thing is, is nobody told me that you had to learn how to write. You had to have an MFA. You had to know what you were doing. You had to pick a genre. Lucky for you. Lucky for me. Yeah. And at the time, people were, because this was 2000, 2010, 2011, people who were trying to get into the Kindle space were writing cookbooks mm-hmm. and children's books. And I, I wasn't about that. Um, and so I went on and published those. And I got up to about 13 of them. And I remember my first check was $11.36 or 72 I always get those confused cents but you couldn't tell me anything I now was when high. you say check is this an actual paper check? it was a paper check okay. because you had to get a $10 threshold back then before okay. you can uh-huh. move to direct deposit see that's how old I am in the game <laughs> and, um, and so I got that check and you like I said you couldn't tell me anything I was living high on the hog mm-hmm. I am published baby and then the reviews were horrific and um, I really had to take everything that I knew because my background is um, I'm analytic and creative Mm -hmm. so I am a financial analyst but I'm also a counselor and I had to stick my money where my mouth is and um, to me writing was my biggest growth opportunity because I had to deal with rejection but I was like I'm not giving this money up and so I kept going I I was running with someone this morning who was a formerly traditionally published author and this is his first exposure to the indie world and we're running and chatting, and I'm like, you know, how are you enjoying it? It's a different world for you. And he says, oh, it's, it's just amazing. I'm learning so much. And I said, well, what's been your favorite thing so far? And he said, well, I, I've got to say this, but I was at dinner with a bunch of people last night, and I was talking to this woman named Michelle, and I got more from just being at the table while she was talking than anything else at the conference so far. And she's amazing. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to talk to her today. This is awesome. Oh, that's so humbling. Thank so, you. We're all, we're all fanboys. Oh. Is- <laughs> okay, you guys, I have that on tape. I'm going to take, take that snippet, and I'm going to pimp it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's talk, about, let's talk about data. How do you use data in your author business? Oh, thank you so much for allowing me to talk about this. So what I want to do is I, I really want to address the listener, and I want to help you understand that as a creative, we look at data differently than the uh, traditional public. And what we do is we do something that's uh, very meta, which is overview. And the reason why we tend to do that is because we have trained ourselves to look at a world or at a plot or at a story arc. And we do the same thing when we go into data. Too many times we are taught to orient to look specifically at the numbers and start from there and so that is uh, one of the biggest things that I was able to bring into how I look at data because I am traditionally um, published I am traditionally trained mm-hmm. on using data from corporate America but as a writer we have a different orientation to it so we go high and then we get down into the granular so when I'm looking at data What I'm first and foremost doing, I'm not concentrating on the numbers. I am concentrating on the melody and the theme that the numbers are telling me. What does that look like? That looks like pictures. Is it going up, down, all around? You know, it simply means if I'm pulling data back and and when I say pulling data, what I'm doing is whether it be using a a program that I use by the name of Kalytics that gives me deep dive data on uh, Amazon or I'm pulling data from my targeting pixels uh, and sell throughs on different links that I'm using for uh, my ads 
or <laughs> I'm uh, pulling data from different little Google Docs that I put out to readers, would-be prospect readers, leads, and those types of things, I first and foremost, I want to just throw the data in there and I want to pull back and I want to see, is there anything that tells me what direction this data is trying to point me into? When I do that, it usually tells me up, down, flat, or all around. And when you talk about up, down, flat, or all around, are mm-hmm. you, you're, you're talking about a variety of things. You're mm-hmm. not just talking about a, a sales graph that might go up and to the right like we want to see the sales graph. So right. give me an example of something that you're specifically looking for that I wouldn't be looking for. Because if I went in, the first thing I'm looking for is like, show me that sales graph. Oh, wow. Awesome. Okay. So um, I'll start here. Okay. When you first start looking at data, so if you get it from Salesforce or any of these other places, it's going to be raw data. So the first thing you want to do is you just really want to sort. You want to sort descending. Mm-hmm. If, you're, if you're working in Excel or a Google Sheets or something like that, you want to sort descending. And when you sort descending, you're going to look for are the numbers in correlation with your dates, are they going up or down? That is, to me, the simplest way to get someone who may be data averse or data intimidated to start to be able to see the story. When I've worked with different people, they're like, oh, my God, it's right there. I'm like, yeah, you don't have to be afraid of it. Because if you sort and you say put my big numbers at the top Mm -hmm. and my little numbers at the bottom and then you go back over to your left and you look at your dates, what you want to see is you want to see the most recent date with the big numbers. Yesterday. Exactly. And you want to see the smaller numbers with the date furthest away. That makes sense, now, right? Now, do you, like most people listening to this would go, okay, I go to Amazon, I download the last 30 days data or whatever. Do you keep it for, are you building upon a spreadsheet or a database or something that yes. just goes on and on and on and yes. on? So you've got this data from forever. Oh, so I can talk on that level? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Great. Great. Okay. I didn't know what level we were talking. Okay. So what you want to do is you want to start building historical data analysis. You can start with month over month, quarter over quarter, year over year. And what you want to do is you want to learn industry wise as well as specific because everybody's data is going to look different. So industry wise, if you're going to look for your best opportunity months, With regards to Amazon, not the whole book industry, but October and February are going to be the months where there is most advantage for you to do make big moves. Like if you want to go for your letters or you want to launch a new series. Mm -hmm. And the reason why is because of the buying pattern, the consumer behavioral pattern. And this is based on lots of people's data, not just your data. Yes. So data guy. Uh, You can pull information from there. Uh Um, You can pull information from this uh, company named Mm Kalytics.com. I love them. Yes. Yeah, I I need to talk to that guy. His his information is awesome. And the way he presents it. And I, I work with him a lot. Okay. Um, I've introduced a What's lot. What's his name? His he, name is Alex Newton. Right. right. I, I'll give you his name. Okay. I'll make an introduction. No, I've, I've got it. And I've actually exchanged emails with him. We just haven't. We haven't Tell him to Michelle put it said to talk okay. to you. And Good. he'll know. Good. And so, um, and I, I actually, I'll, I'll make sure in the show notes, I give you a link to a free hour training where I go through it. Awesome. And Thank show you. you how to do it as an author. Okay. So, okay. So going back to this, 
You guys, what I want you to do is I want you to start building your own strategy. And that strategy is going to be predicated on first and foremost, what the industry is doing and then what you're doing. If you're new, don't worry about it. Take the industry information. And so what that looks like is this. When you look at the industry, you are not trying to look for where to put your, I mean, what, what is selling the most, what you're wanting to look at is you're wanting to look at numbers that are consistently moving in the right direction, meaning that they have little dips, not huge dips and not seasonal dips. And a lot of people get that confused. And so how you do that is if you're using data, I would, I would, I would love for everybody to use K-Ladies because K-Ladies is going to really help you to do this in that they're not going to just mush everything together. They're going to give you by Amazon's categories. So Amazon has those top 32 or 36. I think they're up to now. And so, you know, that's arts, photography, romance, literary fiction, fiction, mm-hmm. and, uh, and the like. But then they have a subcategory. So if you're in literature fiction and then you go down to children's fiction or uh, women's fiction, that's the second level. Well, then Kalytics Elite lets you go down to their third level, which would be literature fiction, women's fiction, adventure. Mm-hmm. And that's how I'm able to start to pull data to see the trends for who is buying what okay. in a given year. In, in your genre, in your specific You genre. can do it in your genre. You can do it. Uh, so when I talk about meta, mm-hmm. meta is going to be just pull it on the first level, which mm-hmm. is going to be everything. Okay. And you pull that. I, I do want to, if you'll permit me, I do sure. want to bring up something we talked about the other night. I don't know if you remember. Um but I have a, um, I can't take credit for it, but the concept is called survivor bias. Yes, I do remember. Yes. Survivor bias is how I start to look at my data. And when I started doing that, I started being able to really hone in on my target audience more so that I get more Amazon love. So what this looks like, you guys, is everybody is always concentrated on the winners and you should be that is really good that you do that so when you're pulling your data and you're looking at other people's whether you're looking at kindle spy kletics or any of those kinds of things they're going to quickly and easily tell you who's winning um with survivor bias it's simply this survivor bias says that we tend to look at who won and try to replicate that win We benefit when we do that and look at who lost to learn from their mistakes. And so with my survivor bias, I don't look at all of the data of who's losing because in Amazon, only about 8% of what's published at this current time is selling. Mm -hmm. So I can extrapolate out 92% of the data and I can look at who's winning it, which is going to be, of course, like the top 2%. Mm -hmm. But guess what I also then do? I look at who came in second. That is my loser because they're doing enough right to be almost there. But I can learn mm-hmm. by what they're missing okay. out on. So you're, you're not, when you say loser, you're not talking about the bottom I 98%. Am not. You're talking about people that are doing things well and, and are getting results, just not getting the top tier results. Exactly. That's fascinating. And so what ends up happening is I start to learn the differences between the keywords that they're not using. I learn the differences between the... Pos- How do you do that? How do you... How do you? Oh, good. Yes. Okay. <laughs> this so, is awesome. <laughs> so you can go to a free uh, website platform called Yaseeb, and that's Y like yellow, A like apple, S like Sam, 
I like India, V like Victor.com, Yasid.com. And what it is, is it's a graphical constellation of products in Amazon. It's offered free because the guy gets uh, an affiliate if you click on his link and use it. So that's how he gets paid. Mm -hmm. But you go in and you tell it, I want you to look for books. You can even say, I want you to look in the Kindle store. And you look in the books, you can use it by title, author, or even keyword. So what I then do, now I use Klytics and I like Klytics because Klytics gives me a month's worth, not a one day snapshot. Mm -hmm. I go in and once I have determined who my winners are and who my second places are, I go in, I look at my winners and what they'll do is they'll give you a graphical uh, representation of a book with all these other books around it. Mm -hmm. And guess what, Steve? It has arrows and the arrows go either in or out of the book. And that lets you know just by looking how much power that book has in the Amazon algorithm because the graphical will tell you this has 56 points coming into it or 56 going out. And so it starts to tell you what is generating the market, whose book is propelling other books so you're looking at what we would call a nexus book and then you can see all of its also bots and so it's like shooting fish in a barrel that I can see a picture and I can see that book when you click on it it brings up it has an API that hooks directly to Amazon so it tells you its sales rank pages pricing it will give you keywords um, that it pulled from the API. And then you can click on customer reviews and go through that. And what I do is I take those keywords for the winners. I take the keywords for the second places. And I look at the ones that aren't hitting on second place. And boom, I know what the difference is between the winners and the second places. This is officially awesome. <laughs> but you, you see what I'm saying? Yes. And, no, no. This is fantastic. And this so is this fantastic is, and you guys, this is still data. Mm -hmm. You don't have to think that data is this intimidating number. It is still data. And what you're doing is you're leveraging um, existing tools that are not going to cost you anything. So then what you, when I do, when I start figuring out those keywords, I also look at the blurbs and the blurbs, the blurbs uh, for the winners stick out in that they start to sound like each other and they, they have a harmony to them so that when I read the second tiers, they sound a little clunkier and guess what starts to pop out? Themes. And when I say themes, I mean themes like simple words. These books that are selling right now for this trend are about hope, self-identity, uh, recreation, second chance, they all have morals. You remember how they used to say, and the moral of the story is, mm -hmm. well, what I have found just through data is when I go into Yasiv and I look at these two different groups, the morals or themes of the story start to pop out. And I take those, go back into Amazon, mm -hmm. and then I am able to take what Amazon gives me of what the categories are and how they're getting in front of people. Because you'll find a book that you think should be in one category and Amazon has put it in another one. And that's where the honey hole is. That's where everybody gets looking. And that's why it's blowing up. You know, for instance, I'm in romance. Mm -hmm. Well, guess what I found? I found that the romance authors who are selling and not having to duke it out in where everybody is duking it out, they have moved to women's fiction. 
Are you kidding me? I, am, I can show you on your computer. I can show you right now. I could show you the data. I can, I can believe it, but it's shocking when it, you say it mm-hmm. because I mean, romance is incredibly broad. Yes. Women's, women's fiction is incredibly broad. And in my mind, they don't mix. I mean, the people that write and, and say, I write women's fiction, I, it's like I know what that book is going to be as opposed to romance. But and I, I'll tell I hear you, what you're saying. And it, I'll it, tell you why, because the data shows it. So I do, um, so what I've just been describing to you right there is what I call micro mm-hmm. marketing. Because when I deal with my students or even when I'm trying to launch a new series, a new book or whatever, I am taking my corporate uh, positioning, mm-hmm. uh, having worked for an airlines and logistics company. And what we did, I worked in what was called revenue management. Now that's a fancy word for saying, honey, take what you got and learn how to make more money from it. <laughs> that's what it really means. <laughs> I like that. I like the term though. And so with revenue management, mm-hmm. what we do is we always change. First of all, and you guys write this down. If you want to learn how to manage your revenue to get more, you do not need to add more stuff. You need to change and add different perspectives of seeing what you already have. Okay. I want, I want to interrupt here, and I'm going to use a specific example of someone that I'm in, involved with their books. And let's say there's a series. It's, there are four books. They're not doing as well as they should for whatever reason. What's the first thing you would do? If you, if you know, as, as an author, these books are good. The people that are reading them like them. They're leaving good reviews. They're just not selling as well as other books in the same genre, in the same categories that are not written as well. There's something, there's something that I'm doing wrong. What's, what's the first thing I look at? Well, the first thing I do... Uh, when I do deep dives for people that come with this kind of question Uh is we go into Amazon. So what we're going to do is we're, instead of um, going big down to small, we're going to go small up to big. And so I go and hopefully if they have even just a few reviews, we're going to click on the reviewer and we're going to see if they did any other reviews that are not books. So sometimes you'll have people who will do reviews for a product or a service or music or this or that. We love that. And I'm going to tell you why. I mean, if, if we need video because I, I have this dumbfounded look on my face right now. Trying okay, to so out you guys, what happens is, and I know I'm a very unorthodox counterthinker. Um, when you get a review, a review is not just about the person reviewing your book. It is a it's a well worth of information. And what we do is we go deep diving. So you want to click on, even if it says Kindle customer, you want to click on it and see if they have reviewed other things that are not books. And I'm going to tell you why we want, we don't want books. We don't want books is because we want to use the power of Amazon as a retail distributor. And what we are looking for is we're looking for to see if they have reviewed other things, whether it be children's items, um, a pantry. Oh, I love if they've reviewed something from Amazon Pantry. That is the gold because that gives you so much more buying behavior. And so because of that, when you are doing this, we start with what we know in the book world, which is the micro marketing part of them as a reader then we click on their reviews to now see them as a consumer and thus we can go and I don't care what they said about those things I just want to know what they're buying 
and that lets me know who I'm dealing with. Now, here's the next thing. So once I've done that, so say, for instance, you only have 10 of those. Out of those 10, you usually can find probably a cross-section of anywhere from 20 to 50 uh, non-book products that they have reviewed. And once you look at the non-book products, look to see if any of those products tell you something about their spending behavior, their likes, desires, and consumption. A lot of times you're going to see that they've reviewed movies that they've watched. Mm -hmm. We love those. You're going to see that they have reviewed products that they buy on a regular basis Amazon pantry and those types of things. And that's going to tell you things about gender demographics and the like. It might not be their specific ones, but you know, they know someone Mm -hmm. um, that is in that category because they bought for them. Okay. So this is important. Now you guys, this is moving out of the micro marketing into the macro marketing. So what I'm wanting to now do is I'm now starting to move into trend analysis. Why do we want trend analysis? Because we want to know what real marketing industry we're in. Publishers are in a bigger industry and that is the entertainment industry. And thus we want to know where are people are being influenced and what they are going to want more of. So this is a way for us to future cast, to be able to get in front of them, Mm -hmm. to know what our books need to include, whether it be genre, topic, or uh, statement or event. So now, I was saying earlier that a lot of the best-selling romance is now listed under women's fiction. My data told me that. Mm -hmm. You know why it told me that? It told me that because a lot of people were um, reviewing things like The Man from High Castle. They were reviewing um, things like uh, (laughs) Pink Yarn for um, the Pussy Hat Brigade. Um, They were buying Handmaiden's Tale, which let me know that Hulu uh, for the Handmaiden's Mm -hmm. Tale series was doing well for a reason. And thus, that meant that the pendulum swung from romantic relationship to female relationship empowerment. And yes, and thus I know that if you are trying to get in and sell that series that's Mm -hmm. floundering, you now start to look, go back and look and see, do I have, even if you don't have a, a, a main character female protagonist, even if you don't have that, look and see if you have themes of empowerment, power shifting, uh, self-identity, all of those themes that come with what is already being spent to promote to the people out there. So you can leverage the power of these great studios. You can leverage the power of movies and other perennial selling books by being able to latch on to the tailwinds of the themes of what people are grasping. And so you can take that same series Mm -hmm. And say, for instance, it's, it has a family or siblings or something like that. And you can highlight, you can change your keywords. You can even dabble a little bit with a, a few orientations of back matter where you put in a, 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 an extended epilogue or something like that and repurpose the marketing. Remember, I talked about revenue management mm-hmm. to go back in and appeal to where the attention is. And I, I just want to say this. You guys, when you're looking at data, you're not looking at data just for the numbers. You're looking at data for the purpose of knowing the dance between supply and demand. The market 
always rewards those who give the right supply for the largest demand. And right now, the best way to do that is when you're looking at your data, you are not really even looking at the numbers for sales. You're looking at the numbers for traffic. You're looking at the numbers for where is the attention? Where are the most people? Because if you can get a good product there that's contextual, Mm -hmm. you learn that contextual from Yaseed, getting those keywords, using your survivor uh, bias that we talked about. Mm -hmm. You make it very contextual. And in this sense, I'm saying context, meaning we're giving people the right product at the right time in the right way. And so by doing that, knowing where the most amount of people are going to be, giving them what they want, the market is going to reward you with sales. That is simply what it is. If you even look at the definition, the market rewards those who give it what it wants. Now, you work with a lot of people in in this regard. What kind of result should someone expect who, and let's go back to the the series. Let's say it's not floundering. It's just not doing as, as well as you expected it to go. And you, you, you don't want to do a full-on rebrand. You just kind of want to use the data to tweak things a little bit. And that's kind of what we're talking about here, yes. learning more about the audience and then using the data. What sort of impact could we expect to see from that? Well, results are not typical. <laughs> <laughs> if I had a disclaimer, I would throw it in here. <laughs> um, so what I'm going to say is this. It really depends. And I don't want to go down a rabbit hole, but I really, if you'll just permit me, I really mm-hmm. believe it is important for me to stress this. And this is something that you may or may not have heard, but I know in a lot of uh, the author circles it's not talked about. But the results are going to depend on your understanding of push and pull marketing. And real quick, Push marketing is a pattern interrupt. It's a commercial. Mm -hmm. It's the branding, giveaways, bonuses, um, free books, beta reads. It's all of that stuff. Push marketing is for cold traffic. It is where you're saying, I know you don't know me, but buy my book. And that's where we get the statement where you have to show someone seven thing, a, t- a thing seven times before they even remember you. Mm-hmm. Well, now that number has gone up to 23. You have to show people things 23 times before they even get on your radar. So, you, so what we, you're not suggesting then that we go into Twitter and say, buy my book 23 times. Obviously, I'm making a joke here. But, I mean, you know, it's, the idea was, I mean, years ago, you'd, you'd hear people say, well, I, I have to keep telling people to buy my book because it takes seven times before they'll do it. What you're saying is that's just not working at all anymore. I'm saying it's not working because people are treating it as an event and instead, instead of a process. Okay. And what I mean by that is an event that we want is the buying of the book. The process that we need to use is push and pull marketing in tandem. So push marketing is that pattern interrupt. It's the commercial when you were doing something else and a commercial unrelated, uncontextualized comes and says, buy my book. But what we want to do, and this has uh, been a salvation for me and a lot of the people that I work with. Instead of me saying, buy my book, I say, hey, you. I think this would be a great experience for you. And what I'm now doing is I'm shifting from a transactional relationship in my push marketing, meaning I want to sell, to a relational transaction in my marketing, meaning, hey, you, I think you might like this. Mm -hmm. I am now picking up and doing what Apple and um, what Coca-Cola is doing instead of what 
uh, PC is doing, hey, buy this PC for $699 for this amount of time. And so it's not where I'm saying, buy my book, buy my book. I am saying, hey, you, I think you would like me. I think you would like me. And because of that, it doesn't cause them to feel like they're being sold to. Mm -hmm. And therefore, they let down the defenses and I start to warm them up to me faster. Now, I do want to say this. When you're using push marketing, you don't, you're not looking for ROI because push marketing is really the branding. And I always say branding is who you are when you're not around to defend yourself. It's not about an image. It's not about your logo. It's the impression that people have of you when your name or your product is mentioned and you're not around. And that's why we do push marketing so okay. we can implant the message we want people to regurgitate to others when we're not around. So that's why it takes so much time. It's expensive. Mm -hmm. So push marketing is the commercial pull marketing is where the sale happens. It's where the warm traffic is. It is where the people know, like, and trust you. And that's where the ROI is. And that it costs less to do than push marketing. So let's go back to our example, because I want to be very practical about this so mm -hmm. people can go and fix their stuff. So what I'm going to say is, is if you're fairly new and you're not making a lot of money yet from your book sales, push marketing is not where you need to start. What you need to do is you need to start small on push marketing. That means that you spend a dollar to three dollars per day on Facebook as just touting your pen name or your fan page. You're not saying buy my book. You're saying, hey, you, I mm -hmm. like you. Do you do you like me? You see what I mean? Does this go back to you texting your your boyfriend? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> but what it's doing is it's starting to warm people up because people tend to remember that which has been put into their mm -hmm. subconscious. Um, you know, I could go down very many studies, but I'm not going to do that. So you can start there. So right. I'm, I'm going to interrupt you here and, and give an example that worked really well for me. Mm -hmm. um, not not for me as an author, for me as a reader. Mm -hmm. um, I saw something a picture that appealed to me, and the headline was essentially your new favorite private eye. And I love PI fiction. And it wasn't by my book. Mm -hmm. It was exactly what you're saying. And I, that, mm -hmm. a light bulb went off in my head as you're, you're describing it. And I, it took me like a, 10 seconds to click on that mm -hmm. and buy the books. Mm -hmm. People still want to be in control of their buying decision, although they're not, but they still want to feel like they're in control. So what ends up happening is, is if you see that enough, you start to warm up to it because now it becomes familiar because subconsciously, Familiar equals repetitive. It does mm -hmm. not mean good or bad. So the next thing is, is when we move into pool marketing. So pool marketing is going to be the warm marketing. And that is going to be where you now have people that either know, like, and trust you or have come by way of somebody else's recommendation of you. That's like when we get to the shooting fish in a barrel. So I don't know if you've ever heard this, but real marketing is never sales. And if you know how to market, you'll never have to sell. That is because people have learned how to use push and pull marketing from the data they gathered to know who is most likely probability of wanting what they want. So I just want to talk really quick about the data to get them to pull marketing. Can okay. we do that? Absolutely. And I, I'm going to ask you now, before we cut this off, can we do this again sometime? Because yes, I, I could, we could literally spend the rest of the afternoon uh, talking about this, and I, I want to be able to to have you on again from time to time as things come up. Like sure. you can be our <laughs> our expert for oh. things like this. So I mean, <laughs> this this is this is just fantastic. Okay, so you've you've agreed to that. So yes. all right, let's continue on. Okay, so if you're going to do this for rescuing an existing book series or whatever, mm -hmm. this is what I'd like for you to do for your data. 
not having to buy anything. Go into your uh, book page and look at your categories. Those are going to be the three at the bottom. Mm -hmm. Then what I want you to do is go back over to the Yasif and pick um, the cat, the third category. So it'll usually have something like literature and fiction, um, adventure, um, espionage or something like that. Mm -hmm. So you would put espionage in there and you would look and see all the books it pulls up. You can also pull up the top 100 bestsellers in Amazon to get a feel for the books as well. So once you know that, then what I want you to do is that's just a quick and fast free way of pulling data. Mm -hmm. Then what I want you to do is I want you to go to those books, go back down to those reviews and start clicking on the names of the reviewers and look and see what they're buying that's not books so that you can find out what the trends are. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm going to tell you, when you do this, you guys, you're going to end up on places like uh, Netflix. You're going to end up in internet database trending and you're going to start seeing that it's going to take you uh, to a lot of uh, movies and television and when you go there so like if you google because I can't remember the link offhand but if you google IMDB which stands for internet movie database trending it will give you a free list that gives you movies and television and it gives you the up and down arrows per week you can also do the way back machine mm -hmm. and do your own brand of year over year analysis to go back on the same and thing. Can I just say how terrifying that is to use the way back, back machine? <laughs> oh my God, because it, it tells you every stupid thing you've ever done with it every does. business website you've ever had. And it's horrifying, but we use it for our data. And so what I'm doing, what I'm trying to do is make sure that they know that you don't have to have a lot of money to get started mm -hmm. to pull real data. So what you're going to look for in this um, analysis. So when you go to like uh, I am database and you look there, you look for the movies, you look uh, and see what's happening. So like, for instance, if you're looking for what was out last year at this time, as opposed to what's out this year, this time, if they're the same, that means that you've probably got a pretty steady um, thematic or genre that you can stick with. Okay. If it changes, that means that you need to look at if this this year has changed dramatically dramatically from last year, is this on the upswing or is this just a temporary trend? You guys are going to become data mavericks when you start doing this because it pops out at you that this is what your general population is into and that therefore you go from just following what is only in Amazon books to understanding what is really driving the industry of entertainment where the dollars are being made. So you get to use the industry's money for what they know is happening and you get to leverage that and put it and into use for your own books. You know, it's funny as we're talking, and we, we, we need to wrap up because we're running out of time. But I used to do this thing where I would pluck out a clip and I would, as we're talking and I would put it at the beginning as a way of saying, hey, you need to listen to the whole interview because you're going to get to hear about this. And I'm like, okay, that would make a great clip. Oh, no, that would make a great clip. Oh, that would make a great clip. So I'm glad I'm not doing that anymore. <laughs> but um, this has been absolutely fantastic. Michelle Spiva, where can people learn more about you? Um, you can go to michellespiva.com. But the faster way would be to go to um, Facebook. Mm -hmm. And my Facebook fan page is Follow Michelle Spiva. Oh, nice. Yeah, Follow Michelle Spiva. And um, from time to time, I put up um, just clips of information, snippets like this. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you go to that page, you'll actually see a link that I'm 
going to be putting up for a free Facebook group where I'm going to be dropping little tidbits and cool. things like this in there for people. Okay. And and you said you're going to give us a link to some free training that you have oh, done. Oh, yes, So that will yes. be in the show notes. Yes. As I, well I, I as... Will. Yassiv, Yassiv. Yassiv. So we'll, we'll have links to everything we mentioned in the show notes. This has been unbelievable. This is such a delight and a treat for me. It's great meeting you, and I'm, I'm so happy that, that we're connected. Thank you so much. 